0: sit alone in a friend's little cottage in Concord, Massachusetts in what you might call the bosom of America. 1.6 miles from Walden Pond where Henry David Thoreau wrote, There are a thousand hacking at the branches of evil to one who is striking at the root. And rather than love, than money, than fame, give me truth. 1.8 miles from the location of Paul Revere's capture in the early morning hours of April 19th, 1775, after his infamous midnight ride, proclaiming loudly and with haste, the British are coming. 19 miles from Boston Harbor, where a band of renegades dumped a small fortune in the form of British tea into the frigid Atlantic, in protest of a tyrannical king. 22 miles from Salem, Massachusetts, where 14 women and five men were executed under suspicion of witchcraft in a most gruesome display of mass hysteria. 48 miles from Plymouth Rock, where the Mayflower Pilgrims, one of my very own ancestors among them, carved 1620, into a rock to proclaim the date of their arrival in the New World after an arduous quest for religious freedom and freedom period. Given the state of America today and the state of our collective spirituality, which seems to have faded, I am drawn to the pages of history in an effort to make sense, find hope, context, and hopefully, understanding. Though my faith, both in God and in America, have wavered in recent years, I find myself more and more contemplating the validity and necessity of both. While I was never one to say, for God and country, perhaps I should be, for it is becoming more and more evident to me, at least, that we cannot or will not have one without the other. So I say, more as a plea than a decree, God bless America. Now I wrote that this morning after reading from a book that has been sitting on my shelf unopened for a little while. Called American Gospel. God, the Founding Fathers, and the Making of a Nation. You know, this book, I've only gotten a little ways into it, but it is quite, quite interesting already. You know, it's a bit dense. It's taking me some time to work my way through each paragraph. It makes me appreciate sort of the way people used the English language in the late, you know, late 1700s. It's so much more poetic, I would say, and eloquent and thought out than than the language that we use commonly today. You know, you might call it the King's English. Um, It can be a bit difficult to decipher, but God damn these guys knew how to speak and how to write. And I'm I'm reading through this book just appreciating that there is more to the relationship between American politics and American religion than what we typically think of. You know, the wall the separation between church and state you know that is for many people the end of the discussion you know we should have no religion in our politics many people might argue but that is both impossible and i believe counterproductive you know i i i believe that what what this fella here is talking about. John Mitchum. The author of this book. At least so far. He, he, he brings up the idea. Of a. How does he say it? Of a common religion. Of a. Civic religion. Where. It is not exclusive. To one faith or another. You know it's this sort of. American way of of speaking where we can address God and we we can address sort of the divinity of things without being exclusive to any one religion, right? It was made very clear from the beginning that we were not a specifically Christian nation. In fact, that was something that was very hard fought to keep out of our Constitution by some very wise and forward-thinking people. You know, the issue of religion and how it relates to the state was, was a critical issue of the day because there had never before been a nation that was not based on divinity and the divine right of rulers and kings we were the very first and that's not something to take lightly right like here i'm not sure who this fellow was it says the agnostic robert inger ingersoll said in 1876 that the nation was a place where religion had to make its own way. There would be no preferential treatment. Our fathers founded the first secular government that was ever founded in this world. The first secular government. The first government that said every church has exactly the same rights and no more. Every religion has the same rights and no more. In other words, our fathers were the first men who had the sense, had the genius to know that no church should be allowed to have a sword. That it should be allowed only to the extent its morally, uh, its moral influence. Excuse me. You know, this idea that there is no state religion means that no one can be punished for not following the the you know the state sanctioned beliefs and there was something else so this here Madison he said it in very few words but many if not most believed yet none must you see that so at the time it was clear that most of the most of the country was christian of one brand or another but there you know at the time there was a lot of anti catholic sentiment and you know the puritans were very sort of our way or the highway right you had more sort of welcoming traditions like the the quakers or the episcopalians but much of it was very much a struggle for whose religion would be the religion. And they saw that this was a question that could never be settled peacefully. As long as people fought for a dominant religion, there would be unnecessary bloodshed. You know, John Mitchum says in one paragraph, he says, the Founding Fathers left us with a tradition in which we could talk And think about God and politics without descending into discord and division. This is what we're talking about with sort of the the common religion. Um, You know, this, this shared spirituality that is not specific to any one, you know, one religious tradition, but is it a sort of inclusive and vague collective spirituality that can be shared by by most if not all right you know even the atheists among us can show reverence for religious practice right i don't think there are many atheists out there who would say disrespect a prayer by interrupting it in the middle. Right? You know, George Washington actually um, improvised so help me God at the end of his swearing in and then he bent over and kissed the Bible. You know, that was improvisation. That was not planned. That was him pleading with God to help him be a good leader, be a good executive, right? Be a good president as the very first one he set that precedent of appealing for god's help right which i think is a very humble tradition and should be should be considered and should be maintained right you know this idea of a common religion or a you know Benjamin Franklin referred to it as a public religion as opposed to one's private religion. You know this was the this was the the type of religion that could be shared across faiths, across different you know different denominations and you know it could include... You know, the Jews, the Christians, the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Muslims, as well as, you know, anything else that doesn't fit into any one category. You know, it's it's a really wise way to do national spirituality. I'm beginning to think, right? You know, here, Mitchum says... Both religion and America were forged through compromise and negotiation. They are works in progress, open to new interpretation, amendment, and correction. You know, I like that. I like that. That's always been, I believe, the way we were supposed to evolve, right? Through compromise, through negotiation. Yes, there's some struggle involved, but by... by Respect, respecting each other's beliefs, right? We can, we can kind of find the best of both, even where we disagree. You know, this is this is something I feel that we're lacking so much today is sort of an open dialogue, an open debate. You know, people don't want to, don't want to uh, rock the boat. You know, but it's like I heard recently that, you know, John F. Kennedy almost required that his children debate and argue at the dinner table. And he would ask, you know, provoking and provocative questions to try to get interesting debates going, you know? And I think that's part of what America was founded on was this, this spirited, you know, atmosphere of debate, you know, and it's, it's to say that we can be united while still disagreeing. And I think, I think that's necessary because if you start assuming that there's only one correct faith, things can get ugly in a hurry, right? I brought up the Salem witch trials. And the thing of it was none of those women were even, you know, I don't believe any of them were practicing black magic. It was just suspicion it was suspicion and nothing more and you know i i just want to bring this up to say that i'm beginning to understand the argument that that you know we need we need god to bless america right not not to say that America is the only place God should bless or that we are the chosen people. You know, Abraham Lincoln, I guess, said of the American people that we were the almost chosen. To say that you are the chosen people, that gives you an awful lot of justification to do horrendous things. But to say that we're nearly there, to say that we... We've got some improving to do. That is, a, that is a useful way of thinking of it, right? And just sitting sitting where I am geographically right now, as I said in the bosom of America, it always it always makes me want to take time to appreciate history and appreciate the sacrifices of men like Paul Revere who were, you know, simply doing what they thought was best by, by rebelling, right? They were rebels. They were, you know, by, by the King's definition, they were traitors. They were treasonous. So let's not forget that spirit of rebellion and the truth is that rebellion, it's hard to say what the truth is in the matter, but it seems to me that a rebellion which which is on the side of, of freedom, of liberty, of you know, of right. It does seem that that there's a guiding hand at work. You know, not not one that takes away our our free will or the need to do the work, but simply a guiding hand or a maybe it's more of a whisper, right? I always kinda liked that image of God kind of just whispering, not giving instructions, but more just subtle, subtle nudges. And the idea of our our conscience, right? Our our sense of right and wrong. Yeah, while you could argue that, that may be was a development of evolution and and sociology and simply you know the necessity for humans to get along as social animals to me it seems like there might be something more at play something that you might think might think of as the divinity of all life including people and that there is some sort of spirit inside of us that helps us know right from wrong and even in the complex issues where it's not so clear you know that idea that maybe god is just whispering and that if you're open and willing to serve that those nudges will be felt and that you will that you will serve a purpose you know, I believe that I believe that the founders maybe understood the need for a balance, right? A balance between the secular and the religious. And that's the core of the separation of church and state, but also this idea of sort of a, a public religion, a shared national religion that is not specific. You know, there needs to be a balance, as with anything. If we, if we give in too much to religion or too much to secularism, I think we could be in trouble either way. You know, here he writes, this is, this is John Mitchum, this victory over excessive religious influence and excessive secularism is often lost in the clatter of contemporary culture and political strife. Looking back to the founding is neither an exercise in nostalgia nor an attempt to deify the dead, but but a bracing lesson in how to make a diverse nation survive and thrive by cherishing freedom and protecting faith. And faith and freedom are inextricably linked. It is not for priests or pastors or presidents or kings to compel belief. For to do so trespasses on each individual's God-given liberty of mind and heart. If the Lord himself chooses not to force obedience from those he created, then who are men to try? I think that's a powerful, powerful paragraph. And I think I'll wrap it up there, right? If God granted us freedom of heart and mind. What gives men the right to think they can take that away? We see it every day. People think they know what's best for you. People think you should be forced to do things against your will. And they will Actively participate in a system in which your freedom is taken away and your choices are taken away We are seeing this right now Which is why I'm looking back through our history trying to gain some context and some understanding as He says looking back to the founding is neither an exercise in nostalgia nor an attempt to deify the dead I don't worship the founding fathers. I recognize that they were imperfect men, right? Thomas Jefferson is probably my favorite among them for his words, for his understanding of science and nature. But I know that he fathered a child with a woman that he owned as a slave which does not bode well with the ideas of freedom and voluntarism. You know, that is a coercive relationship at its core. So I recognize that, that these men were not perfect and that this country is not and was not ever perfect. But therein lies the rub. I don't believe in perfection. Except, perhaps, in the natural world, there is sort of a imperfect perfection, if that makes any sense. When things are allowed to just operate by natural law, when we don't meddle with the forest, the forest does achieve a certain kind of perfection. You know, the balance between growth and decay, between life and death, between the animals and the plants and the fungi and the and the inert matter of the soil and the rocks. This this increasingly understood Ah scratch that. This this perfection, I believe. Is attainable but it's not what people think it looks like you know it's only a perfection that can be found in struggle in argument in debate in striving for betterness knowing that we can always get there and that we are never done perfection in an imperfect world is balance however that looks balance between politics spirituality balance between faith and knowledge right between sort of what's best for the individual and what's best for the collective you know there's a balance to be had there but i will never concede that the individual rights the individual freedoms will always be of paramount import importance you know we have no freedom if we don't exercise it and we don't demand it and we don't preserve it and we you know we must 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 protect it because as soon as you lose the right to think for yourself and to make your own choices We are sliding back to a system in which many people suffered totalitarianism was the norm for a certain amount of time in our history and while this American experiment in many ways has been ugly shameful even it is still a vast improvement on what was and we can continue to improve, even if we slid back a bit. So I'm finding that, while I have not been religious in the last few years, I am beginning to put faith in God once more. Believing that as long as I, as long as I fight for freedom, I believe I am on God's side. And if I'm on God's side, hopefully, you know, I always hesitate to call God He. But I don't have a much better way of saying it. I hope that if I'm on God's side, He'll be on my side. So with that, y'all, I urge you to just consider whether or not you could accept a shared definition of God, even if it's not a perfect definition. And perhaps together we can, we can find that balance because right now I think we've got a little too much politics and not enough spirituality. and i don't believe you need religion to have morality or spirituality i don't even believe you need to believe in a god per se but holding holding the idea in respect you know even if you don't believe it yourself respecting the beliefs of others is what this nation was founded on so let's Let's try to hold up our end of the bargain. All right, y'all. This has been episode, I want to say, 37 of the Easy Peasy Podcast. This has been Mike the Polymath with the Easy Peasy Podcast. Come back again.